Are you an independent integrator who works with a wide variety of consumer and professional automation platforms? Would you like to base automations on schedules, timers, environmental sensors, or power consumption data? Shelly controls a wide range of voltages, triggers contactors, adds powerful sensors to collect important data, and automates virtually any building circuit. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Make IoT Simple podcast. I'm Doug Robertson with AltaCore Robotics US. I'm joined today with one of my colleagues, uh, Rodrigo Henriquez, who is a software engineer that has recently joined us. I know that it's been a long time since the last episode. Uh, we've since then moved into a, our permanent office upstairs on the fourth floor. We've uh, had some new product releases. We have had a couple of interesting trade shows, including Cedia Expo back in September and Techpalooza in South Florida this past week. Um, one of the uh, more interesting projects that we're working on is something called Fleet Management. That has been initiated by our headquarters in Sofia, Bulgaria, where it's sort of seen as a, a self-hosted version of our consumer cloud software. What that means is it allows you to, to set up your own local version of the Shelly Cloud Service to do your own automations and your own scenes. And it works only right now with second-gen products, so products that are named Plus or Pro. But we've got some ideas for how we can do some more interesting things with it. So having said that, I'd like to turn the conversation over to Rodrigo, who uh, has been heavily involved in this project so far. Hi, Doug. Thank you for the introduction. Hello, everyone. And uh, yes, uh, fleet management uh, will be, I would say, the flagship of our uh, software right now. Uh, the idea behind it is to allow uh, users and big customers with uh, hundreds of uh, Shelly devices running in their network to control and to understand what uh, they are saying. For instance, uh, if you would like to know the status of a sensor in the fourth floor of a building that has 20 stories, uh, with that, we would be able to just ping a red flag and understand uh, exactly where it is showing. That said, the development of this feature and this application for fleet management is completely different from everything we, we've done so far. We've allowed the users to have uh, the built-in micro JavaScript into their devices so they can uh, create whatever they want and automate their devices. But fleet management goes a step further and it will make us have full control of every device and just give the data the clients would like to see. So uh, when you're talking about the difference between, say, uh, the micro JavaScript editor and fleet management, fleet management is going to run on a, a local appliance, a mini computer of some type, whereas the JavaScript editor, those, the, the scripts are, are loaded. You can have them on a repository that the device points to, but each script is executed on one local device. An example of this would be like with our plugs, where we are just using one plug for one location and we're checking to see if the internet is up. And if the internet is proven to be down by pinging multiple locations, it power cycles the cable modem. Whereas a business-to-business -business use case for this 
typically you'll have 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 locations. And instead of sending a truck out to one of them whenever uh, a modem needs to be power cycled, the, the dashboard can just execute a command on, say, the, the backup network on the failover, and then the plug will uh, reboot that. You have to have the dashboard. You have to be able to, uh, you know, to, to juggle and sort of manage hundreds to thousands of units. Well, a lot of, a lot of organizations, small and medium businesses, don't have the resources or the, the programming team to build the dashboard to manage all of these locations. So with fleet management, we're looking at a combination of either you know, on-site or on a, a small collection of sites, and it's, it's going to allow the, the small and medium business to sort of manage all of these devices or to allow the, uni- the uh, individual consumer to have a self-hosted cloud. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the idea behind fleet management is not having one repository with your own script and you have to share this repository to every device you have. And not only that, if you have different uh, networks, you have to be capable to access that file. So fleet management wants to take this script out of the device and put in just one place where you can control and execute anything that you want. So right now, the, the first iteration of fleet management only works with WebSockets, is that correct? Yes, uh, right now we have our WebSockets. Uh, they are running in a Docker, which means we can deploy to any computer we want, uh, Linux, Mac, and Windows. And as long as it is in the, the network and we have access to that computer, every device can be discoverable by fleet management as long as we set the web sockets to point to that server. I was really excited when we added web sockets because our traditionally our uh, our our APIs were either the transport protocol that would announce or one that you'd have to pull. So our first generation products, the APIs were not consistent in feature sets because we developed one API and then we'd have new products and then we'd get the idea for a different API and and so on and and the the platform grew and evolved over time but when we went to our second gen platform for the plus and pro products we wanted consistent behavior between the APIs so the functions are the same the benefits are the same and really you could just sort of pick what transport protocol works best so we had UDP we had REST we had MQTT of course we had cloud but if we're talking about you know B2B development those three were the first ones and it almost always ended up as a choice between REST or MQTT. Well, with REST, you have to pull it. With MQTT, it's more of announcing, but it requires uh, an appliance running a broker, whether that's on the local network or that's something that's hosted elsewhere. So with WebSockets, that made it a little more interesting because, of course, this is more of a two-way connection. And you could have the ability to work with a number of different devices going back and forth. Now, originally, only outbound WebSockets were encrypted, but we're working on uh, for the plug, we're working on the ability to have inbound. I'm not sure how far along that is, but it, it's definitely a very interesting process. I think WebSockets is the way to go. Now, the problem there is, of course, if we want to combine some of our first-gen products, because uh, especially in our sensors, we've got some amazing products. You take Shelly Flood, the Plus HT, our Motion 2 sensor. These are fantastic products, but none of them have support for the second-gen APIs. Do you think there's any possibility of us incorporating those 
into fleet management in somehow, some way? And if so, what do you think we'd need to do to connect? Well, the possibility always exists, but the, the deployment of that solution sometimes might not be exactly what the client uh, might want. We could use WebSockets plus MQTT to connect to the first-gen devices and they talk to each other via those two and execute commands via HTTP. So it is a possibility, but that requires like two brokers plus a, a constant uh, IP address for the, the device. It, it's more setting but it's possible if the client really wants that, yes, we can do it. With sensors, uh, we can have uh, the sensors to trigger something in a Gen 2 device, and that would be our way in to only have WebSockets instead of having two or more uh, protocols running to connect the devices. So, so basically, the second Gen device acts as more like a bridge for the first-gen devices. They're communicating directly through through REST, and then we're acting on that data with the second-gen. That's correct, because uh, it is a, a workaround since we don't have and will not upgrade Gen 1 to have all the protocols. So because they can communicate between each other, they will translate that up and that would be the solution, the best solution for us with the, the tools that we have right now. So something I'm very interested in uh, for, for fleet management is uh, with multi-dwelling units. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the projects I'm working on right now is combining uh, a, a package of Shelly flood sensors with a relay that is controlling a shutoff valve for the uh, water inlet pipe for a house or a condo or an office. And basically, the Shelly flood sensors, when they detect water, they can send a REST command directly to the pro or plus relay that's controlling the transformer that powers the water valve. And of course, that, you know, you energize the water valve and that turns off the supply of water to the building. Um, I'd like to be able to combine that with fleet management because I think it would be very interesting. It would, well, I don't think interesting is the right word. I think it would be valuable, it would be priceless for property managers to be able to sort of oversee an entire property's flood sensors and their, their water shutoff valve, particularly when you've got residents who may be traveling, they're snowbirds or they're on vacation, they're out of the city or the, out of the state or even out of the country, and, and maybe they're getting their notifications, maybe they're not, but at the, at the same time, they, they've got the Shelly Cloud app, they've got the cloud, they get their notifications. It works the same way as it always does for a consumer, but then we can piggyback on top of it with no, no impact on performance or any other negative impact for the consumer. And it'll, it allows the property manager, the HOA association, to sort of step in and help in an emergency. Here in South Florida, we know the, the problems that flooding causes with condos. It's a common everyday thing here. You're constantly having uh, problems with insurance, with lawsuits, with people who aren't repairing things that they've caused. And so the ability to implement this can, can really save a lot of bother, headache. Uh, it can prevent molding in the walls. Uh, these are things that I've got personal experience with thanks to my wife's condo. So I know how big a deal it can be. So I, I like the idea of that, especially, you know, the flood sensor is communicating 
but I'd still like to be able to tie in what the flood sensor does. So that's where I think uh, something like an MQT service or, or REST or whatever we do with a local appliance or with something would be very useful. Yeah, let's uh, be honest because everyone right now uh, everywhere has a computer. For like the worst it might be, if it's running uh, a Windows, uh, it's power enough to run a MQTT broker or a WebSocket broker. So we can use that in our benefit. Uh, the most important part that uh, we can we see uh, using the, the sensors, like the flood sensor and the shutdown, the valve is time, because if you have a flooding, uh, more time you have water running into your dwelling, bigger is the the damage. So if you have this automation in a matter of seconds we are certain that we'll shut down the, the main water valve we'll be saving a lot of money so instead of running water through the whole apartment or unit it just would be like in one room or maybe two so that's a, a very good benefit and that would alert the, the property manager and the, the user that uh, something happened in their unit so yes, uh, fleet management, it, it will be a solution that uh, will save a lot of money for a lot of people. And as I said, it's priceless. And you know, that's just one use case of it as well. If we're still talking about multi-dwelling units, an another popular concern and issue for everyone is the cost of energy. Electrical costs are the first thing you start thinking about when the economy tightens and you want to see how can you save money. You don't want to say, how can I not feed my kids? You want to say, how can I save money on my utilities? And so, uh, again, with multi-dwelling units, you've got common areas and everybody has to pay a portion of the electrical costs. And uh, virtually every condominium I've ever seen, the lights are on all the time. And they don't need to be. You know, we've got products, for example, Motion 2 combined with any of our relays or our dimmer products that can determine, is there someone there? The Motion 2 has a, a blind count. It's a resettable blind count. And so every time it picks up new motion during the blind, it resets and starts counting again. So if you've set it for five minutes and it detects end of motion, well, you can be absolutely confident that there's been no motion in that area for five minutes. And so then it can turn off the lights. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking at occupancy, so you're, you're trying to decide, is someone still there? Rather than just saying, hey, I've got motion, I see somebody, and then you count and turn off it's a lot more effective. It's a lot more uh, acceptable to people. They're not going to complain. They're not going to be waving their hands trying to get the lights to stay on. And there's not going to be a, a lot of complaints at, say, the HOA board meeting. But at the same time, this gives you the ability to turn off lights completely when nobody's in the area. How much money can you save if on every floor of a condominium you've only run the lights when people were actually there? It's uh, lights and ceiling fans. They only work when people are there. The rest of the time, they're just a waste of electricity. I agree. Uh, just a use case for the regular user. If you have someone that uh, doesn't want to mess up with energy and wiring, uh, our Shelly Plug US, it's a plus product with uh, power management and monitoring. I have a use case for that. When I came to work one day, 
I completely forgot my espresso machine that's completely manual turned on. I made my coffee, but because of the kids running around and going have to, to go to school, I completely forgot it on and my coffee there. When I arrive at work 40 minutes later, I remember that and I said, oh no, who can turn off? There's no one at home. So I called my neighbor and said, could you please go inside my place and turn it off? Oh yeah, sure, no problem. So he went there and turned off for me. Next day, I took one of the our Shelly plugs and plugged my espresso machine on it. Now I'm 100% sure and whatever happens, I can control it. So it's automating something that wasn't automatic and without any sort of uh, wiring or messing with uh, energy. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. Uh, I had a similar situation, not with the coffee maker, but uh, last month or maybe at the end of October, I had to replace one of the elements in my oven because we left it on for nine or 10 hours. And when we say we, I'm only saying that because I think that my wife may eventually listen to some episode of a podcast and I'm not throwing her under the bus. But I, I replaced the element. It's not a big job and it's not really that expensive a job compared to replacing an in-wall oven. But at the same time, nobody wants to burn out an element. Nobody wants to go for however long it takes to get a replacement and not be able to cook in an oven. And also they don't want to just leave it running constantly and burn all of the electricity. The oven is an expensive appliance. So, you know, the, the, the costs definitely outweigh the benefits in some cases. Um, you could use a broiler oven for a lot of things, but it's not convenient. You have to either keep it on top of the countertop all the time or store it somewhere and then pull it out when you want to use it. And the oven is always right there because it's built into the wall. So while I'm on vacation over the holidays, one of my planned projects is to take a, a Shelly 3EM and put it into an enclosure measuring the consumption on the circuit with a DIN rail contactor. And so uh, if it's on for an excessive period of time, uh, I'll get a, a little notification from, from my little Node Red app and I'll be able to say, yeah, I want to turn it off or no, we're baking, let's leave it on. So I could also set it, you know, we're never cooking anything for more than an hour. And if it runs for, say, 90 minutes, turn off automatically. So it's a two, it's a sort of a, a two-way approach to the issue. Um, but the bottom line is that I want to make sure, one, is it on? And two, should it be on for a, an excessive period of time? And of course, the nice thing is I can also get a notification when it automatically turns off after 90 minutes. That way, if it wasn't supposed to, I can immediately turn it back on and you know let somebody know, hey, if you were cooking something, I, I actually just turned it off. It, it's a lot of, there are a lot of use cases. Uh, it, it's not just about also saving money. You could do the same thing with a, with a cooktop. You don't want to leave those on. Somebody will get burned. I've known people who have accidentally burned themselves, you know, on a cooktop that was left on. And uh, of course, we've also forgotten to turn that off. Usually it's on low. So it's not that, it's not that, you know, horrifying. But uh, if you leave it on for a couple of hours and you notice, oh, well, I shouldn't have left that on, you know, when you've got small children or you've got uh, a lot of distractions going on, it's easy to forget. Do you remember the George Foreman grill? 
The Jordi Foreman group was specifically built without a power switch. George Foreman said, no, I want the simplest ever. Like you put it in and then you have to take it out to turn on or off. But uh, we can automate that and finally have <laughs> a freaking grill that can be turned on and off with a button. The, the problem is when you're using that George Foreman grill, you know, uh, if it's running, you're burning your food. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, but, that, but that, that's another like yeah, way. I know exactly what you're talking about. But you know, I loved those back in you know back in the day. Um, I thought that was just the greatest thing ever. Now everybody loves it. Like George Foreman, like made a lot of money, a lot of success because it was a simple tool. For the job yeah, and plus you know if you ever ran across him you know it's 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 a non-zero chance that you might have run across george foreman and if he asked you do you have one of my grills and you say no do you want to take that chance the man wasn't a champion just for his looks you know he you know so everybody bought one that thought yeah you know. <laughs> and nowadays everything's a ninja oh my god no oh yes everything is a ninja but the thing is um I like the idea of knowing how much power my appliances consume. You know, whether they're left on automatic, you know, or turned off automatically, that, that's a secondary concern. I care about how much power am I using. I'd like to be able to pinpoint what in my house is costing me the most to use. I know, for example, that the lights in my laundry room cost me a lot of money because it's an incandescent fixture. It's not allowed to change to uh, LED because, you know, there are parties involved that don't like the look of LED lights. I prefer LED. I like the cost savings. I like the ability to select the color temperature and so on. But that doesn't always go. And this is also a three-way switch. The laundry room connects my, my kitchenette to my garage. And since I have a home office set up in my garage with air conditioning and the whole nine yards, there's a lot of traffic back and forth. So I, I like for the light to be off. Other members of my household like for it to be on. I know that uses a lot. But there are other hidden things. There are closets. For example, if you walk into your master closet, you're either usually getting clothes, which you're taking out to get dressed, or you're maybe picking up laundry or you're dropping off laundry. If you're dropping off laundry, odds are you're going to turn the light off when you leave. But if you're picking up a big armful of clothes to take out for cleaning, you're not going to remember to turn the light off. So for all of my closets, I've uh, that you know have light switches i've got a shelly relay with a timer after five minutes it turns off the light and while you say that's just one light and that one is led so it's it's low wattage the thing is when you've got all of these circuits in a building everyone adds up and if i can cut my consumption in half for a given circuit do i care that it's only a few watts and maybe it's only a few dollars a year or do I care that I've cut 50% of the cost of using that circuit? So power consumption data is a big deal for me. Now, what is this, how does this play into what we've talked about? Well, with fleet management, a locally hosted version of the cloud, you don't have that dependency if the internet goes down or you just don't want to have your data out. You've got the ability to set up these scenes, to set up the ability to, to sort of automate multiple things at once in a, a simpler fashion maybe, but definitely uh, the ability to, to, to add things together easily. So 
we as we start adding things like power data and we start adding you know the ability to do scenes and schedules because the, the the platform is still in a, a, a very early iteration you can grab it off of our repository right now and play with it with second gen products that use websocket but uh there's still a long way to go and there's some really amazing things we're going to add to it i agree and that's the beauty of uh, fake management because uh, you can send one command to every single product that you want. You just select, I want all my uh, plugs that are turned on. You just send them to turn off. You don't need to, to send one command to all of them at the same time. No, you just can pick and choose whatever you want. So fleet manager right now, yes, is very into infancy and we are building more uh, on it, so adding the Bluetooth, add MQTT, and it will be an extremely powerful tool for you to control, for you to understand uh, how much you're really spending energy. Well, I definitely appreciate that, uh, and I'd, I'd also like to say that you know one of the one of the projects I'm working on, I'm deeply involved in right now, is a combination of load shedding and staggered startup. Now, uh, your public utilities, they'll have uh, programs like on-demand, on-call, these sort of things, and they'll typically work with a water heater, they'll work with a pool pump, they'll work with your HVAC. And the way that they work is during peak hours, if they've got significant demand on the grid, they will temporarily shut down one of these. Odds are you're not even going to notice. For example, the HVAC, they, they might turn it off for five minutes, maybe ten. Not long enough for you to really notice. By the time it starts warming up in the summertime, they've already turned it back on. The problem is is that you, you do have some people that it's it's not ideal for, that maybe the time of day is wrong for their lifestyle, or or maybe they, they have an issue one day, um, you know, the their drain isn't cleaning properly, and then, of course, when the HVAC... Uh, kicks back on it immediately turns off and they associate that I've heard that story there there are a lot of different reasons why people get sort of a buyer's remorse on these programs and what I'd like to see with fleet management is the ability for people to sort of implement it on their own and to prioritize what is most important and what is least important and that's very doable now with Shelly products already they can send commands to each other they can automate each other an energy meter can report the, the energy level and send commands to other products based on that. So I can tell, you know, for example, if I'm solar and this is how much I'm pulling in and this is how much I'm consuming from all of the other products, I can, I can make these intelligent choices. But it still takes some configuration and some setup and some decision making, whereas fleet management would allow, you know, a, a customer to sort of put everything together in a quick and easy place. I'd even like to find ways for them to sort of just adjust it on the fly. You know, I'll give you a good example. If, if you've got a water heater that you're running on a schedule, that's very easy to set up. You, you take any Shelly relay with a contactor for 240-volt circuits. Of course, in, in other countries where they've got single-wire circuits, you don't even need the contact. But here in North America, we need the contactor for, for the water heater. And uh, we set it on a schedule. We know when we're going to need the water for the most part. Maybe we run a little extra. Maybe we, we just are very tight with the schedule and we're, we're really minding the energy that we're using. But this weekend you have guests come in, maybe some old college friends, maybe your mom, whoever. 
and you realize, hey, I've got to have more hot water. Now, do you want to go out in your garage or into your utility room and, and then move everything you've got piled against the wall and then open up the box that's got your mechanical timer in it and pull the little pin out and then try to jam it in? And, and you hope that it goes more into the, into the dial than it does into your thumb. Or would you rather just whip out your phone and ch make a change in the schedule? So ways of, of doing these things. If you put it together into fleet management, instead of just doing each individual device at a time, you could literally group a number of things together and make an adjustment to all of them at once. And, and that's, that's a very powerful tool because anything you can do to make conservation easy or to make it easier, you're not having to worry about the trade-off between saving money and having convenience. You want your family to be comfortable. You don't want any of your kids to have a cold shower and then to come out complaining when you're trying to eat dinner. You want everybody comfortable. You want everybody to have the resources. The reason you have the water heater is so that your family has hot water, not so that they have cold water. And another point to, to touch with uh, fleet management is because it is hosted uh, in your uh, unit, in your house, you can access via phone, via tablet, via computer, whatever you have, a device that you can send uh, a browser, you can call fleet management. So you don't need to be with your phone all the time to control your devices. You can have it in your computer. So it's better for uh, some that some people that have problems like uh, touching the screen or controlling something on the, the small screen of a, of a cell phone. So they have the computer, they have the mouse, they have the power and the ability to use that. So it's, you have the ability to, to use everywhere you want. That's an excellent point. And then if we take these points that we've just discussed for consumers, for individuals, and we go back to the business world. Now we talked about multi-dwelling units. A very similar scenario to multi-dwelling units will be hotels, for example. Now you've got a different set of appliances that you care about. You, rather than having individual water heaters, you're going to have a boiler that provides a lot of water to a lot of different rooms. But every single one of those rooms will have its own heating and air conditioning control. So what if the room is not occupied and the heating and or air conditioning is left on? That's a huge drain because it's very expensive to change the temperature of ambient air. It's, uh, it, it's one of the biggest costs of any building. HVAC is huge. So you don't want to cool or heat a room when the guests are not in it. Uh, you know, maybe you want to have an automatic thermostat, but maybe the devices, for example, if you're running a mini split, it, it's kind of hard because they're, they're run off of remote controls. Now you can get IR blasters, but then, you know, you have to hang it on the wall. You have to hope that nobody pulls it down or that it doesn't just fall off. So when you start adding contactor control, and that gives you the ability to regulate the temperature through fleet management, rather than sending someone to turn it off, or, or worse, just leaving it on and letting it burn the money. And to add to that, uh, you can imagine in a hotel situ situation where you have your guests, and that happens a lot in the northern uh, US. You go to a hotel room, you check in, and the room is cold. 
and they know exactly when are you coming, uh, what time are you coming, because they request that, oh, when you, you want to check in, oh, I'll be there about 5 p.m. And then, okay, let's turn on the heater 4 p.m. And then when you go and check in, you have a warm room instead of a cold one, and you have to crank it up, the heater, and then, after, oh, no, now it's too hot, and then you go and crank it down, so I have to figure it out, the balance for that. So, yes, we have, like, a lot of very good use cases for fleet management. Another one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to goes back to energy consumption, but sort of a big-picture thing. If you're in a business that has multiple locations, whether it's quick service restaurants or retail or hotels or whatever, you're paying significant electric bills. Uh, I know that some quick service restaurants have $10,000 a month bills. That's inconceivable from you know someone who pays a residential electric bill. I imagine it would be very useful to be able to quickly, one, see a big picture of which locations are using the most energy and then start drilling down you know, into the individual circuits at that location to find out what am I really consuming for each of these circuits. And then being able to, to have hard data to help you make choices on what to modernize or what to adjust, whether it's adjusting a process or replacing a piece of equipment with something that's more energy efficient or, or making some other type of change. But having the knowledge is critical. You know, we've got a slogan in the U.S., it's net zero by 2050. What do I always say? You can't have net zero without data. Because if you don't know what you're consuming, you don't know how to get to carbon neutrality. Now, you can rely on the outside world. You can re rely on your utility. But honestly, the, the more you consume, the bigger part of a problem you are. Get the data. Make the decisions. Save your bottom line and also help what society is trying to promote at this time. And it's interesting to, to that point where the, the business can decide if, of, of course, possible. So we, we have everything set. We cannot like, have a better process. So the only place to go is to add solar panels or uh, have another way to generate uh, energy besides the grid. And that moves us into the people that are off-grid and their own solar panels in their houses that are net zero right now, and they are even like selling extra energy to the power providers. That's a great point. And there's something else to bring up as well. Electricity is not the only you know, a natural resource we have to worry about is not the only utility that we have to deal with on a, a monthly basis. In the Western United States, we're having, uh, I've considered it a historic drought. I actually saw in the news that, you know, someone used the phrase a biblical drought. And it's a very serious situation. You've got cities in California that have cut the number of times you can water your, your plants and your lawn from three days a week to two I've seen uh, municipalities that are basically telling everyone to rip out the grass. And, and you know, the, at the end of the day, uh, I live in a climate that's subtropical, close to tropical. Um, there's a lot of rain here. We, we have a rainy season and a dry season. We also have a snowbird season. Um, and so th those are the three seasons in Florida. But yesterday I was driving to work 
and we had just monsoon levels of rain yesterday morning. And before I'm out of my neighborhood, I see six different neighbors whose sprinklers were running. Now, mind you, if they were up, I mean, because I, I, I drive in a little too early, but if they were up, I'm pretty sure at least a few of them would have turned the sprinklers off. But they're still in bed. They don't know that it's raining and the sprinklers are on a timer. You can buy sprinkler controllers that can say, is it raining right now? But you can't buy one that says, hey, in the last seven days it's rained this much, in the last X number of days it's rained this much. The weather says the percent of chance rain today is this. Uh, my soil moisture sensor says this. And these are all things that are already possible with Shelly. But then if you take it a step further, and if you were to work with the municipal water authority, you could help when there are emergency situations reduce the consumption in, in different areas. Uh, I mean, of course, you don't want to put the shutoff valve on somebody's house. But, you know, we can control any irrigation system and, and then help you connect to it. it it's, it's not rocket science. It's today. This is stuff you can do every day. I've been doing it on my house for a while now. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, I can override it with my voice assistant at home. I can look around and say, you know, grass is looking pretty dry and run it. You know, but if if I'm in a situation where, for whatever reason, our area gets into a, you know, a, a difficult drought, the grass can go brown and I don't care. I agree. It's interesting that the more we talk, more I think we have just like five, six people able to do this. We need more people to understand what we do, understand our product, and then I maybe create their own business around it. Well, I tell you, part of that is my fault. I, I need to do a better job of getting information out there like, hey, here's something you can do. Why do you care? Here are the instructions and, and let people go with it. And I'm working on that. I'm trying to do a better job. I've started, uh, you know, recording some videos. I'm going to do some some blog entries for the, the Shelley site or even for my own personal site, which I haven't touched in a long while. You know, I, I, I also used to be very active on Facebook and smart home communities. Um, uh, I was the admin for the Smarter Home Club, which had about 5,000 users and literally died the day I started working with Alterco because I was spending so much time at work and no time sort of shepherding that community. Um, it, it's something I need to sort of take more responsibility for to pass around. But there's nothing that I do that's that hard. If you understand what do I need to control the circuit, what's the most effective way to mount it, what can I do with the software? It's that simple. What's my problem? What's the, the closest track to get from problem to solution? And I do it every day with stuff. And there's nothing special about me. Anybody can do the sort of stuff that I do. So I, I just need to make more of an effort to share information. But that's what the podcast is for. That's what the entries are for. The videos are for. So uh, we're getting close to 40 minutes on this. So we probably should wrap up. Anything you'd like to share? Well, uh, there are more software uh, development coming. Uh, right now, we are more a hardware company. But uh, the software to control everything is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, fleet management will be our uh, main goal here. And yes, uh, we can expect uh, a lot of new things in the software side. Well, I'm very excited about the changes in, in uh, software. We've got some very exciting uh, products coming. We actually had a very exciting product launch very recently, the Shelly Plus add-on. 
Now, this is sort of, uh, it's, it's new to everybody's way of thinking, so they, there's not a lot of documentation on it yet, but this is going to allow us to use dozens and dozens of different kinds of sensors. And these are hardwired sensors, so they're not going to require a, a, a battery-operated platform. It's going to be real-time data for these. Um, I'm already looking at, at literally 20 different uses right now, and how can we turn this into you know, a B2B use case or, or make something out of it? We've got CES coming in a few weeks. We're going to have some amazing product announcements at the show. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going. Last year, uh, I, I did have the joy of attending, uh, but this year I'm, I'm just working on other stuff. But we're going to have some really, really brilliant guys, both from our European offices and our South Florida and Las Vegas offices attending. Um, I think that if you pay attention to the announcements, if you stop by the booth, it's absolutely going to be worth your time. Um, if we don't uh, publish anything else before then, I'd like to wish everybody happy holidays. And I, I hope you enjoy Shelley all through 2023. That's it. I make your words mine. Thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you for everything. Thank you, sir. Whether you need a solution to control lights or outlets, LED strips, automate 240-volt contactors and appliances, monitor power consumption, or solar generation, Shelly products are the most versatile, configurable, and flexible IoT devices available today. Thank <laughs> you.